Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. I want us to begin a journey that would explore different dimensions and aspects of fruitfulness. My sub-theme for today is seed time. Seed time. Fruitfulness, part one, and we are looking at seed time. Let's all say seed time. Now, to be fruitful is to be productive, to be prolific, to be generally efficient. When we say somebody is fruitful, it means that when you give them little, it becomes much. Now, when you go to an agricultural show or agricultural awards and see the produce of the very best farmers on display, you say, this is a perfect crop. When you see the stand of the best farmers and you approach their produce, you say, this is perfect. People gather around their stand, they admire their produce, they ask them questions, and even take photographs of the harvest or by the harvest. May people look at your life and say, wow, this is perfect. Now for us to attain or continuously attain perfection, it is important that we become progressively faultless at the three main stages of our life cycle. And the three stages are seed time, waiting time, and harvest time. Let's say it together. Seed time, waiting time, and harvest time. In the life cycle of every crop, every person, every project, there is seed time, there is waiting time, and there is harvest time. And each one of these has peculiar characteristics. But today we want to look at the first of them and that is seed time. Whether it is in our spiritual lives or our faith work, our relationships, our education, our professional lives or our financial lives, whatever we do, there is seed time, waiting time and harvest time. In looking at seed time, our foundational scripture Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Seed time. Isaiah chapter 28. One read from verse 23 to verse 29. Isaiah 28 from verse 23 to verse 29. It says, give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clots? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin? Plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place for he instructs him in right judgment his God teaches him 
For the black coming is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the coming. But the black coming is beaten out with a stick, and the coming with a rod. Bread flour must be ground, therefore he does not thresh it forever, break it with his cartwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Let's all say God is wonderful. And he's excellent in guidance. Now this is an interesting parable on fruitfulness or productivity captured in the book of Isaiah. And as was the case with the parable of the sower or of the wheat and tares in Matthew 13, it starts with an invitation to listen carefully or to observe carefully. And as I observed, I saw five simple lessons that characterize the seed time of our lives or the foundation stages of our lives. And the same applies to any project or activity that we find ourselves in. I would like to therefore share these five principles with us and help us understand how to deal with life at the seed time stage. It is evident that a person who is planting is at a different stage from a person who is harvesting. Now, if the person at seed time observes the behavior of the person at harvest and imitates it, he will end up with catastrophe. And so, a person at seed time must take note of these five things. Number one, purposeful preparation. Let's say it together. One more time. Purposeful preparation. Now, purpose is the foundation of fruitfulness. It is important to understand that the, pep- the purpose of anything before you can talk about being fruitful in it or achieving success in it. Purpose is the original intent. What you set out to accomplish. It is the reason for which something is done. Something exists or something is created. Your life has a purpose and it's important to find that purpose before you can be productive. If you are called to lead God's people in worship and you don't find that purpose, you can be engaged doing several other things with some degree of seeming success. But productivity or fruitfulness can only be anchored around the original intent for which God placed you here on it. Somebody say amen. So purpose precedes productivity. If I give you a bunch of keys and I don't tell you what to do with them, you can use them for several things. Some of which will make sense. But the original intent is probably to unlock a particular door with those keys. When you determine your purpose in life, that then determines the kind of preparation required for success. And so in verse 24, the Bible asks a couple of rhetorical questions. It says, 
Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? The answer is yes. When you go to an agricultural community, at seed time, the farmer spends the whole day plowing the ground in preparation to sow. The second question is, does he keep turning the soil and breaking all the clots, all the, the, the rough parts to make them smooth? And once again, the answer is yes. Now, why is that important? The Bible is trying to bring our attention to the fact that the soil must be at a particular texture to yield the results that a farmer is seeking. And in order to get that texture, there will be the need to plow all day and after plowing, break the soil down, break all the clots and to get it perfect before he can sow. I would like to share a couple of things about preparation with us for our benefit. And the first one is that preparation is mission specific. The type of preparation required by a medical doctor is different from the preparation required by a footballer. When the footballer spends the whole day playing football on the pitch, if he's under authority, his parents should be happy. But I can imagine sending your child to medical school and finding that child morning till evening playing football on the park next to us or maybe the Kanda cluster of schools or some place. I can just imagine the anger, the frustration, and the response of the parents. Preparation is mission specific. The kind of mission you are going on will determine the kind of preparation you put in. Even for the same kind of engagement, athletics, the preparation for 100 meters is different from the preparation for 5,000 meters. And so every one of us needs to look at what exactly we want to do with our lives and prepare accordingly. Preparation is mission-specific. Hallelujah. The second thing I'd like to say about preparation is that it is lengthy and repetitive. If you get bored very easily, you can't prepare appropriately. Many of the things that we admire require lengthy and repetitive preparation. In order to preach a sermon, you need to spend time thinking over the same point over and over again, reading it over and over again, meditating on it, going and coming back to the same point. The same applies to every serious area of endeavor. Preparation is lengthy and you need to do the same thing over and over and over. Correct it, do it again, correct it, do it again. That is how to prepare. And very often it's not public. So you are there alone and you are rehearsing over and over and over. The dangerous thing about life is that because preparation is not public, there is a temptation all to compromise. Do you know, nobody will see that you rehearse it only once. Nobody will know at the time of rehearsal that you rehearse it only once. And so you ask yourself, what is the point in rehearsing the thing 20 times just to get it perfect? But you know what? If you 
do not rehearse well or prepare well in private, when it comes to their public performance, you'll be exposed. Let me say it again. If you don't spend time, lengthy time, preparing well in private, when you come out in public to perform, you'll be exposed. Preparation is consistent, it's continuous, it is demanding. The third thing I'll say about preparation is that it is multifaceted. That means it is not just one-sided, it is diverse. And so let's take a person who wants to set up a company. You prepare spiritually, you fast and pray for breakthrough. You prepare physically, you will do some research, you will build your networks, you will develop your products. You don't prepare in one way. Preparation involves various aspects. I can imagine that for the farmer, you don't just stand up and go and sow. You need to look at weather, weather forecast, because there is a particular rain that you must watch out for. So you must be interested in the weather. You must be interested in fertilizer prices. You must be interested in climate change. Interested in government agricultural policy. Sometimes a country somewhere decides that they are putting export restrictions and they are changing the type of pineapple that they will import. If you ignore that and you produce the one that you like, when you finish, you will consume the one that you like. So you must be interested in export restrictions. Now, the point I'm trying to bring across is that to operate in an arena of perfection, you must prepare in a diverse way. Somebody say diverse. The second point I would like to make about seed time is that the seed must be right and the environment must be right. The right seed and the right environment. Now, several years ago, I got a chance to spend some holidays in a rural community. And one of the things that attracted me was the fact that above the fireplace, you will see cups of corn that have been tied together, hanging above the fire. I like questions. So I asked, why are you hanging it there? And I found out that that was the best seed or the best fruit from the previous season that has been carefully selected a seed for the next season. It is carefully examined to make sure there is no defect in it. And it is hung there so that weevils and anything will not get a chance to destroy it. Now, that was a very instructive lesson for me because it brought home the fact that the quality of your seed will influence the quality of your harvest. And so you need to protect your seed. Every time you want to plant a seed, there will be some other attraction, but you need to protect your seed. The quality of your seed influences the quality of your harvest. If you sow rotting seed, compromised seed, corrupt seeds at the beginning of your relationship, at the beginning of your career, 
if you start by telling one lie here, one lie there, and compromise there, and you brought a fake certificate to get a job, it is a wrong seed. It will germinate and it will bear fruit at the right time and in due season. Somebody didn't like that part. I'm saying that born again Christian, you say you are desperate to get a job. So you take a fake certificate and go and look for a job. Sometimes you will get a job, but the seed you have sown, it will germinate and it will grow and it will be fertilized and at the right time, when it matters most, it will bear fruit. (laughs) Tell somebody the right seed. It is important that we sow the right seed. Whatever you are going to start, whatever you are going to sow, Whatever you are going to invest in, you will examine it again and say it must be perfect. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, tell somebody perfect seed. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 11, we see the fact that it is also important to look at the type of seed. Genesis 1:11 says, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit According to its seed, whose seed is in itself on the earth. The seed is inside the fruit. That means that the type of fruit you want to bear must determine the type of seed you sow. Anytime you are sowing a seed, ask yourself, if the seed bears fruit, would I like it? Now, just to bring home the point even more, many times when we talk about Galatians chapter 6 verse verse 7, we look at it from the point of giving, financial giving, our offerings, and so on. But if we take another look and we add verse 8, it will give us an idea about the type of seed. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Be not deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man or woman sows, that will they also reap. Verse 8, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. The big question is this, what do you sow? What do you invest your time in? When you wake up in the morning, what do you invest in? Do you think about? Do you engage yourself in reading God's word, allowing it to wash over your spirit, allowing it to wake you up to the things of God, the promises of God, the potential in you, or you spend a lot of time on things that may be fashionable, but spiritually are not beneficial. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When you soak a foam or a sponge in water and the pressure of life squeezes the foam, what it has soaked is what it will bring out. Tonight, ask yourself, what do I feed myself on? What is it that engages my attention? What is my prime time used for? In the media, Prime time is devoted to their most important programming and their most important adverts. When you wake up in the morning, that prime time, the time when your attention is at the highest level, do you allow God's word 
to just soak into your spirit. Whatever you imbibe in you, when you are squeezed by the challenges of life, it will come out. It is written. It is written. Thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. What you want to reap must influence what you sow. If you want to reap tomatoes or coconut or teak or sugarcane, you sow that. If you want to reap patience, respect, love, or character, you sow that. Hallelujah. The third consideration under seed quality or under seed is the quantity and the diversity of the seed. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly would also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully would also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. It encourages us to sow abundantly. That at the point of sowing, at the point of investing, do not be stingy. At the point where you are putting your effort in, don't be stingy. In investment, you are encouraged not to put all your eggs in one basket. That means that sow in a diverse way. Sow in spiritual life. Sow in your financial life. Sow in your relationships. Sow in your professional lives. Many of us live one-dimensional lives. We are doing well in our careers, but our relationships are in disarray. But so in every single area of your life. In Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6, it says, In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which one will prosper. Either this or that. Or whether both alike will be good. Hallelujah. Tell somebody so. So diversely invest in the various aspects of your life. The fourth thing I would like to say about seed is that environment matters. In the parable of the sower, the defining issue was not a seed. It was where the seed was sown. And so the same seed was sown. Some fell by the wayside. Some fell among thorns. Some fell among rocks. And some fell on good ground. It is the one that fell on good ground that brought forth fruit. It is important to understand, therefore, that where you sow your seed matters. When you invest in a good project you know you have put your money at the right place. And so you don't wake up and you are passing somewhere, you see somebody doing a business and say, what are you doing? Okay, let me put my life savings here. No. You carefully consider where you are putting your seed. The environment in which you sow your seed matters. Create the right environment around your life. Take control of your environment. In fact, sometimes you actually have to go and take control of even the environment of other people around you. I recall that when we were in secondary school, there was, um, in our dormitory, 
um, an SU president. And in the next dormitory, somebody was using words that were not too edifying. And he shouted across to the other dormitory to remind the person that, now while you may be in a good mood, there are other people here. What he was saying is that you can pollute yourself, but don't shout and pollute my spirit. Now, I heard a story about a very successful farmer who had won multiple awards as best farmer. And when they went to visit his farm to observe his story, they found him in the neighborhood sharing seed to all the other farmers. And they asked him, why are you giving seed to your competitors and empowering them to compete with you? His answer was a classic. He says, over the years, I realized that pollination takes place and the wind blows and blows the flowers and pollinates across the fields. He says the wind does not recognize human barriers. So there may be a fence between myself and the next person's farm, but the wind doesn't recognize that one. So if I allow them to plant bad corn and I plant good corn, their bad corn will pollinate my good corn. Cross-fertilization. So to ensure that it is safe, he goes around giving good seed to everybody around him. Tell somebody take charge. Tell somebody take charge. Don't say, oh, this one, it is not me. It just happens to be around me. Take charge of the environment. Your own environment and everything else around you. Environment matters. Hallelujah. The third thing we want to learn about seed time is timing. Let's all say timing. Now, I recall in one of the Olympic Games, Ghana's champion in 100 meters, went all the way to the semifinals. And in the semifinal of the 100 meters, he was next to Carl Lewis. And when he knelt down by Carl Lewis, he looked on Carl Lewis's spikes and saw that it was customized. His name was there, Lewis. And at that time, it wasn't very common. And the guy couldn't believe. He was wearing... (laughs) <laughs> mass production and Carl Lewis was wearing spikes with his name on it so while he was looking at the spikes and I'm sure saying this man Lewis <laughs> the person said get set when they said go he was now turning from Carl Lewis's spikes that one second by the time he lifted up his head everybody was gone and he was last He couldn't go to the final because he missed his timing. Now, while this may sound funny, several times in life, we miss out on our opportunities because we don't understand the times and the seasons of our lives. There is a time for everything. I went to plant beans with a friend one day. And it had rained the day before. And he, this was typical rural crude agriculture. The farm had been plowed. It had rained. Perfect condition. He had made a calculation. He must finish a number of acres in a day. So all he kept doing, one step, 
plant, one step plant, one step plant, and I was supposed to follow him and drop three beans in and my back. But you know, the farmer just kept going and going and going, and because I was not catching up with the timing, it was disrupting his flow, but he just stayed focused and kept going. See, time requires a strong sense of timing. Sometimes you observe and the rainy season hasn't started, but some people know it will rain tomorrow. So they plan today and somehow the next day it rains and they are ahead. By the time you gather yourself and you're going to now buy your seat and start competing, you are late. It is important that for everything that we do, we understand the timing that undergirds it. God works in times and seasons. Even when you want to make a proposal, Dr. Bracken, you need to time it. There is a time to make a proposal. If you do it prematurely, it is dangerous. If you do it too late too, it is dangerous. You, you need to get the timing right. That's it. Timing. Timing. Why did we clap when I mentioned relationships? Praise God. Why do we miss our timing? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, lack of understanding. Lack of understanding. We sometimes don't even understand what we are doing. We don't understand what God is doing in our lives. We look at somebody else and say, oh, once they are doing it this way, this must be the way. But God deals differently with each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Your life is in God's hands. And he deals differently with you. God has a program, a plan for each one of us. Don't compare yourself to someone and say, once God did it with this person in this way, it must be this way with me. Oh, God works in his own ways with each one of us. When you understand that God is never too late and God does not make mistakes, hey, God can bless somebody, God can lift somebody up, but you are not worried because you know that in due season, your time will come. Hallelujah. Understanding. Understand the God we serve. The second reason why we miss our timing is fear, indecision, or paralysis. When the window opens, you don't stand there asking questions. When God opens the window of opportunity, you don't stand there saying, what if I go and I fail? Should I even try? Sometimes we can be so indecisive it's not funny. Everything you require, we say all I require for life, God has given me. And yet when God opens the door, we're standing there saying, hey, should I go or should I wait? In your day of opportunity, arise and shine. Come on, I said arise and shine. When you have prayed and you have trusted and God opens the door, so, Move. The third thing is inertia. Inertia. And the timing, the third reason why we miss our timing is inertia. Sometimes you are in your safety zone. Very comfortable. You are 25. And your parents are still happily feeding you. Clothing you. And you know, sometimes life will make you so comfortable illegally comfortable it is illegal 
It is unfair. The eagle will pluck out your wings and push you out of the nest to go and find life for yourself. But sometimes, in the name of love, in the name of love, even 30, we are still playing home match. Away. Tell somebody away. Tell somebody away. There comes a time when a person must arise and take your destiny into your own hands. Sometimes we depend on people. Somebody helps you a little and now you want the person to take on your responsibility in full. Please arise and own your space. Somebody may help you. Somebody may support you. Somebody may give you a little push. But beyond some point, hey, arise and own your space. Each of us is responsible for our own destinies. Hallelujah. God has given us the grace. God has given us the blessing. God has given us everything that we need. So arise and move. Amen. The fourth principle I would like to share about seed time is detailed processes. Let's say it together. Life is full of process. Many of us like the results. But process is the series of of steps or actions taken in order to achieve a particular end. In Isaiah 28 verse 25, Bible says, when he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black coming and scatter the coming, plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place and the spelt in its place. What the Bible was trying to Explain Some of these crops are not very familiar in our time. What the Bible is trying to explain is the fact that the way you plant coconut is different from the way you plant tomatoes. And is different from the way you plant yam. And so the farmer must understand the various processes. How yam is planted. Some are planted in the ground like beans. Some are nest as seedlings and planted. Some are grafted. Some are, are, are allowed to grow into almost full trees and then transplanted. Everyone has a different way in which it is planted. And these are processes. Whatever God will do in your life involves a process. Many times we like to stand somewhere and say, I claim it. I like the end. I possess it. We are a very declarative generation. And the assumption is that what name it and claim it. Somebody's marriage is nice. I claim it. Somebody has, has a car. I possess it. Somebody's business is doing well. I declare it. And we just want to short circuit every process and own the thing. But it does not work that way. There is process. Hallelujah. And if you want to work with God, you must understand every process. Appreciate every process. Appreciate the different roles, the peculiar differences. It is so important. Note the differences. Note the unique differences between every process in your life. Learn how to put the spelt in his place, the coming in his place, the black coming in his place, 
and the wheat in rows. It is very important. Some are scattered, some are planted, some are sown, and some are just put in their place. You must know everyone. Detailed process. If you ever have come around anyone in the mining industry, they will tell you about gold and how it is processed. The raw gold does not look nice. But after it has gone through all the processes, the final product is excellent. For many of the things that God will do with our lives, at the beginning stages, it may not look too nice. For every one of us, there is some beginning. In fact, if you will be honest with yourself, every one of us has something in your past that when you look back at, you laugh. When you look at pictures of your childhood and pictures of your beginnings, most of us, our wedding pictures, hmm, glory to God. Though your beginning at our wedding the pastor preached, though your beginning be small, your latter end will greatly increase because the bones <laughs> tell somebody beginnings. Hallelujah. Appreciate the beginnings and appreciate the process. So the beginning may be rough, the beginning may be small, but the God of grace and mercy will use a process to take what is small and make it big somebody's latter end will greatly increase. I said somebody's latter end will greatly increase. As you allow God to work on you step by step, you will realize as you go along that God removes some things and God establishes some things in order to perfect that which concerns you. When we say God will perfect that which concerns you, it's not a sudden declaration. No, it is a continuous process. Chopping a little, removing a little, shaping a little, rounding something a little until you become the fullness of the image of Christ. The fifth and final point I would like to share about seed time is about sacrifice. Let's all see sacrifice. Sacrifice is simply denying yourself of something with a view to attaining a better result. Denying yourself of something today something precious, something valuable in order to achieve a particular result. In Psalm 126, the Bible brings home a very important point. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping Bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I mentioned earlier on my friend who was planting the beans. Why did he keep going even when I was tired and my back was breaking? The answer is simple. I went to see him off as a friend. That is why my level of endurance was low. But to him, this was his destiny. He had the harvest in his mind. He had the harvest in view. So even when he was tired, he refused to be tired. At seed time, if you want to be strong, keep your harvest in view. Keep the end in mind. Our strength, thy grace. Our rule, thy word. 
our end the glory. When you keep the end in mind, it gives you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Hallelujah. When the end you are seeking is in mind, even when you are weak, you are strong. Even when you are tired, you are encouraged. Even when you feel sleepy, you say one more hour. Why? Because you are seeing the picture of the finished product. May the vision of your tomorrow inspire the actions of your today. Hallelujah. I said, may the vision of your tomorrow inspire your sacrifices of your today. When you get tired, when you get discouraged, when you look around you and there's nobody to help you, look at tomorrow where you will be and receive strength for today. Keep your future, your destiny, your end in mind. Bible says that those who sow in tears will reap in joy. That means that very often when you are sowing, it's a tearful and a painful process. There is always an opportunity to consume that seed there and then. There would always be a good excuse to consume. Sowing makes a demand on your today for the benefit of of your tomorrow. So even though you can argue for all you care and consume today, you say, listen, I am not doing this for my today. Several times when people don't know the vision and the plan you have for your life, they are free to look at you and say, why are you living like this? Why are you denying yourself of this? But you see, if somebody doesn't know your vision, they will understand your choices. But you know where you are going. So you don't abandon what you are doing And say, because people are laughing at me, or because people don't understand me, I will abandon my vision and follow them. The picture of your tomorrow will drive the choices of your today. Hallelujah. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. Let's say it together. One more time. Not unto your next door neighbor. No, that one, don't say it. Not unto your friend. Not unto your problems. At seed time, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our model for handling ourselves at seed time is Jesus. Bible says that looking unto our example, looking unto Jesus, who is the beginner and the finisher of this journey that we are working on, who for the harvest, the joy that was set before him, endured the pain, the tears, the cross of his seed time and despised the shame that comes with it. But today, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me encourage somebody to close. Today, as you sow your seed, it may involve some shame. It may involve denying yourself of some things. People may not understand you Not everything you do will make sense. 
you will push yourself to the point where you would sometimes ask yourself, why am I doing this? But as you endure the cross and you despise the shame, in due season, you will sit at the right hand of the throne. Somebody be encouraged. What you sow, you will reap. What you start, you will finish. And what you put your hands to, God will give you the grace to finish. As we understand the principle of seed time, next time we will pick the principle of waiting. And then finally, we will cap it with harvest time. I trust that God has spoken to you by his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249999000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,